Hi. It's me, Ripley. Hey, Ripley. How's it going? It's going really good. How are you today? I'm good. I am nervous. <laughs> God bless you, honey. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, no worries. This is a very um, intentionally low production. production. <laughs> very intentionally low production. <laughs> um, because I just wanted to get it done. That was the intention to do in the series of conversations. Like I have talks like this many times with people, whether I'm friends with them or not. And it's always like, oh, I wish I had that recorded to share with others. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't want to make it a big deal because I didn't want to overthink it. Just want mm. to get it done. And that's why it's like intentionally low production mm. or low effort, low effort production. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I did some research as I should. <laughs> I'm so glad I did. Because, wow, um, I'm very grateful to be sharing this time with you and to ask you questions. Hopefully, one's different from other interviews that were also amazing, by the way. Wow. And um, I'm stoked because I took a chance. I took a risk. And what's the risk, really? Like, having to say no. Like, this is an amazing person they're playing harp and they're black like me they're a woman like me this i how often do i ever see someone playing harp like that let me just ask anyway and grateful that you said yes yay yay um where should we start is <laughs> the real question because you said yes, I'm not sure if you knew what you were saying yes to, but I'm curious if there's anything um, sitting on your heart right now that you would like to share. Um, I'd like to give you the floor to say that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, maybe you don't, is that you asked me the questions, which is what many, sometime interviewers send me a list of questions that they, they've been wanting to ask to get me to ponder. And sometimes like this, folks just say, you know what? When you get here is when we'll start asking the questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm ready. You let me know what it is that you would have, you would like to ask. What's on your heart? You'd already mentioned three things. You are a black woman like me and that I am a black woman playing the harp. And that is something that is on your heart that, seems to perk the, not just the entrance, but being able to see what I, I continue to hear the word is representation, mm -hmm. which makes it feel like it's not impossible. Yeah. So speak it, wise one. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that um, re reflection. Yeah, um, I think what stood out to me most was that I grew up listening to jazz hmm. and it is my heart. It is like 
a love language for me. Mm. And at the same time, with it being a language of sorts, it's something that I always struggle to express, whether with an instrument or just with words, mm. um, expressing like what it means to me. Mm. And um, going through your discography and performances and pretty much like your career, it was, it brought me a lot of joy because it, it helped me see how accessible you're making jazz and how accessible you're making the harp, um, which I did have a chance to play once in my life. And it's not an easy thing to play. <laughs> it, to me, uh, my perception was that it requires um, a level of patience and gentleness that really unlocks something truly powerful. So I kind of see it as something that's not for everyone to just jump into and start playing. Mm -hmm. So to hear that you started at the age of 30, and then also to learn how many years you actually been playing, I was like really amazed. Because <laughs> I knew nothing about you until I started doing research, which was literally like this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you are so funny. Thank you. <laughs> um, like I didn't even get to really dive into Dorothy Ashby's work like I had intended to, but um, I'm excited that you have me um, inspired to, to explore a lot more. I notice I'm talking way more than I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what comes up for you in, in what I shared? Wow. The fact that you'd already had the opportunity to at least touch and, uh, and make the investment in time to play the harp. That comes up for me. And a very candid portion of it, not necessarily that it's not for everyone, but it, it, it will challenge the patience of an individual. It either pushes one to become more patient with oneself, not necessarily the instrument, but to become more patient with oneself. And that is, as I shared, as, as you already read, I started at the age of 30 in 1992. So 30 years ago, in May of 1992, I got my first heart. And starting from ground level, if you will. And most people fall off. This is hard. I thought it was going to be easier. I thought I'd be, sometime I, I've seen these piano courses, play the piano in seven days. Yeah, not really. <laughs> I've seen that. Or maybe. And, and then you, you, when one gets a chance to get into that, that course, it, it's almost like, oh, my bad, just playing. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so wrong for folks to do that. <laughs> but they know, they know, especially here in the United States, we live in a, it used to be a microwave mentality. 
mm-hmm. where we just want to do it quick, quick, quick. We just want to learn it quick, quick, quick. You need to learn it fast. You should have been doing it yesterday. Why are mm-hmm. you late? And everyone always feeling like, and, and not to leave myself out of this, like we're running behind. Yeah. And what we said we were going to do in this life. So just going, or, or what we thought we were going to do. I had hoped or didn't know what we were going to do. And so the harp is one of those instruments that has literally taught me to be become more patient with myself, which allows me to become more patient with other people. And what I found with myself is, is that I found that I have had more patience sometimes with other people than myself. Yeah. And the harp is, is allowing me to have more patience with myself. And it took me a while. I'm not going to lie and not say they weren't, they weren't, days and maybe even a couple of years of, of tears, moments of tears because I wasn't playing at and I can at the name the level of other people. And then comes in the comparison. And that is a dream killer. Yeah. If nothing else. Not only is there no patience and I'm comparing myself to other people and not realizing what other things have happened in those other people's lives that would allow them to have the time in their life yeah, to really just sit and ponder the harp and the repertoire and growing and expanding, not recognize that. And, and so learning to have more patience with myself and not comparing myself to someone else's experience and or level, because I don't know what else is going on in their life. That's not yeah. really my business. And so this is one of the things that comes up for me just in this conversation is the level of patience because the harp is going to be the harp. It, it, it is there and waiting. It is there waiting. Just come on and play. Just come on. I'm, I'm, I'm actually slightly user friendly when you first start. That first gliss will just, just send me mm-hmm. to them with my hand, not somebody else's, but my hand made that gliss. We don't care what key it was in. (laughs) (laughs) I did that. Yay. That first gliss just sent me over the top. Yeah. And even now, as I as I move myself into repertoire that that is not mine, learning to take on more either European classical music stylized or straight ahead European classical music stylized is, is challenging me once again, even at my current age, which is 59. And I'm not going back down from 59. The fact that I'm still here is a fucking miracle. Yeah. And, you know? So, so as I say, I say that is, is that I continually either push myself or am pushed to learn repertoire that I didn't get because I didn't go to the Juilliards or the Eastmans, or the Berkeleys. I went to the University of the Bandstand, which I am still a current member of. <laughs> I love that. And, and again, not backing down from that. Going back to you sharing about your love language, jazz. I remember being a shorty in Compton, and we had just moved back to United States from Okinawa, Japan. My father was in the military. Yeah. And we had just moved to Compton in 1970, had family that lived there. And the radio station, there were two that were just the radio stations for, for jazz and R&B. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. gospel because at that time at least some of the radios that that particular radio station kgfj which was a radio station we could hear anywhere from jazz and gospel within the same set of music oh nice and r&b they would just play because you just had folks that was a part of their upbringing mm-hmm. and then the other radio station kglh kindness joy love and happiness was at one time owned by stevie wonder oh nice I don't know if it still is. And they actually had a cool little, a little bitty pistol click of an office in Compton, not too far from where I lived. But those radio stations, they would, KGLH would primarily play jazz, soul jazz. And it was like my first taste of a Quincy Jones. Mm-hmm. And and hearing there was a, a group called the, the, Oh, well, I wish it. Cuba Gooding Jr. His father was the was the leader of a group. Main ingredients. Thank you, God. Yes, I just listened to his album this year, and I'm in love. Oh man, he had this one song that a, a female vocalist did later on, and it was hard for me to tell whose version I liked the best because okay, I, I know, yeah, <laughs> I know where we're going, right? And so, and being able to hear that, and then hear the the DJs on the station. This on this particular station, KGLH was a man who called himself King Oliver. I'm a, my name is King Oliver. I'm going to take you through them Gemini changes. And mm-hmm. and for me, that was a Gemini change. You could hear some straight yeah. Quincy Jones or some straight ahead jazz, or he might throw in a gospel piece or two of whoever was there. Ooh, Reverend James Cleveland. He might throw him on the radio just just because he could do that. He shoot, he he had he he had the station for four hours. He might mm-hmm. as well. And so this became my introduction to jazz and then the whole experience that was happening around me. Watts Riot had not too long happened. Uh, Black folks were feeling proud and black and mad and beautiful and enraged and dangerous and rich and wonderful and just feeling all of our black selves. Yeah. And I had just, like I said, I'm nine years old. We had been living in Okinawa. We come back to United States. And this was the most black folks I had seen ever. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, so being surrounded by this music and this whole spurt of black pride happening and James Brown singing, I'm black and I'm proud. And yep. everybody's snatching off their, their processed wigs and, and wearing those teeny weeny afros. Yeah, it was so. So this becomes a catalyst for music for me in its in its own way. I had started singing as a little kid when we were my father was stationed in Port Chicago here in the Bay Area. Uh, my mother would turn on the radio in oh yeah Port Chicago, and she would turn on the radio. And this particular station would play Beatles and Johnny Johnny. What is his last name? He was singing a song called Who's Making Love to Your Old Lady. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Johnny uh, Taylor. Mother. I think his name is yeah. Taylor. And so, I, so I'm, I'm learning to sing Beatles and Johnny Taylor. Of course, my mother didn't really want me to sing Who's Making Love to Your Old Lady. Uh-huh. However, but that's what you got on the radio. Why am I not going to sing that? Uh-huh. So I'm, learning, I'm learning to sing. But the harp came in 1970 when we moved back. United States and we're staying with my aunt in Compton and at that time I don't, I don't know how old you are but I, I'm a slightly vintage 
him as a shit of 59. And uh, at that time, the, the adults would tell you, you know, don't be sitting in here listening in on grown folks' conversation. Take your hot uh-huh. into the living room and go watch television. So we're sitting down with my cousins, and there's this episode of a show called I Love Lucy on. And on the episode, there's a man by the name of Harpo Marx, who is the brother. He is one of, I think, four brothers called the Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. And they, they were an incredible bunch of maverick Russian Jews whose mother said, we're going to make it here in this country. I'm going to put you in show business. That's a mm-hmm. long and short of, of their story. They went on to be great comedians. They did the whole vaudeville circuit. But the thing with Harpo is, is that I think they had a Russian grandmother who had made it to the United States just before. Russian Jewish grandmother, let me make sure I'm clear, had made it mm-hmm. to the United States before and had a harp in her closet in the bedroom. Wow. And Harpo, whose name, whose real name, I don't know, was he found it and started to play it. And the mother said, that's what you're going to be doing. So we flash fast forward. I see him on I Love Lucy and he's really just a great comedian, funny. He never speaks, but his whole antics are just all that. Yeah. He sits down to play the harp and plays the most beautiful rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And I said, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. Now I'm nine and I run and tell my mom, hey, I want to play the harp. And I get the whole explicit of a challenged black mother in the 70s who was going through a divorce, Mm. trying to figure out how am I going to feed three little girls and make a life? And I get a series of explicits. And what I know in this breath now, my mother's been an ancestor since I wanna say 1998, 1999. What I know in this breath now is that that was not someone who was trying to kill my dreams. This was someone who was under deep duress. Yeah. And deep stress. And she didn't mean any harm. And before my mother stepped into the ancestor realm, she got a chance to hear me. And she was so proud. She was so proud. And she says, where did you learn this? Where did this happen? I said, mommy, you don't remember that I said I wanted to play the harp? And my mother had absolutely no memory of that. Zero. Wow. And so I know in this breath, she didn't mean any harm. My mother was under duress, but she left this realm proud that her daughter was, was able in her own way to move forward and create the life that she desired. My mother was proud of that. And to my mother's rich and wonderful credit, even though she wasn't certain if she could realize any of the dreams that she desired, she was always putting in our face books on metaphysics and think and grow rich and do something with your life. My mother was, because we couldn't afford a television at the time when we got back. Mm. So she was always trying to find books. Sometimes there would be books on sale. And at that time, you could find books for a quarter, sometimes a penny. Yeah. And so she would find these books because nobody else was, was buying them. Or maybe what I should say this, the universe had already uniquely designed a way for her to have books that would help us to elevate ourselves. What if she said she didn't know if she could, but she was always doing her best to put us in a position where we could learn to be better for ourselves. Yeah. But she didn't remember 
that that desire had come for me. And so it was my job to to realize it. And it still is my job. Still, even now, I have beautiful ideals and dreams of myself playing. And I've 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 met some of, of the dreams, even a, a pandemic opened the doors. Who would have thought? Right. Pandemic would have opened. Look at this. The fact that we're doing this on this thing that is called Zoom that probably people laughed at and now wish they had invested at least two dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and so I share that that the for me it's like I, I literally I have I have two many concert lectures that are coming up. And my job is really to inspire people that the circumstance does not determine our realities and that the delay is not a denial. It is really an opportunity for preparation. Wow. So what else you want to ask me? (laughs) I love that so much. Um, Wow. I just feel like spirit's really guiding this whole thing. <laughs> um, you know, for me, that's that has been my life. Yeah, is that I, I've I have, and I and I'm and I'm not apologetic about calling spirit, universe, God, Allah, Jehovah. All the names for me are applicable. My question for myself is: Am I continuing to have an ongoing engagement with this thing that is so big, so wide, so tiny? Am I choosing to make an ongoing connection with it? And my my conversation will continue to say, yes, I'm unapologetic in public and in private, having an ongoing conversation and listening so that the divine can tell me what it is I need to be doing. Yeah, I love that. Um, in a couple of your videos, I noticed that you would start the performance with a prayer of gratitude and also libations for ancestors. And I just was really touched by that because it was so authentic in <laughs> how you would engage the audience <laughs> in this real, like, um, kind of like an opening of ceremonies in a way. Mm. And I realized, like, okay, this is a real maestro. It's <laughs> like, bringing someone or like the whole audience to kind of enter your world and how you view music or what you're about to share mm-hmm. and I thought that was like just so precious and I was like I wonder if anyone really understands like the weight or like the gravity <laughs> of like what you're about to offer <laughs> uh. I mean whether they get it or not at least like you did like you did them proper by like really welcoming them into the space of what you're sharing. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, to share that I appreciated like that gratitude hmm. before playing. Thank you. I, I, I so appreciate you, your observation and your really heartfelt experience with it. I, as, as I, again, I, I speak about the, the maturation of myself. That's why I know that the delay was not a denial. Mm-hmm. And I have, I can honestly say that I, I can feel the ancestors even more intense now. I want to say with them, when I was a shorty at nine, I, I, I knew that they were there, but I didn't know what it was. Right. Yeah. And, and that 
I think that when I, I would even mention something said or something told me, it would get brushed aside and I learned to brush it aside. Mm. But baby, I got in some situations, I said, I got to call on something or somebody because this situation could be fucking lethal. Yeah. Some help right now. And as I started to really to start to engage with them, I could feel it even now coming back. There are times when I'm sitting, we, my husband and I have, have a couple of little studios where we live and, I, and I'm sitting in the studio by myself and I'm practicing, preparing for some wonderful thing that I've been asked to do. And there are times when the door will open. I, I know for a fact, I know somebody's coming through that door. I know it. I know someone has come to visit me to let me know either they are on their way to go to the next experience or someone who's already there just to let me know you're doing good. We, we're cheering you on. I know this. There are times I have hit the stage. I know I could feel a hand touching my shoulder. Girl, one time. Matter of fact, it was here and I was sitting and I was studying some of Dorothy Ashby's music. I tell you, I know that the spirit or the energy that was previously known as Dorothy Ashby, I could feel that. It was like she was proud. And I'm not the only one engaging with her music. And maybe someone else is having this engagement with her as well. But I know for myself, I felt the spirit of her. The spirit just show up, let me know. Yeah, keep on, keep doing that. I saw an interview, and, and I'll probably have to tag you in this interview since I think our first engagement was through Facebook. But there's an interview on, excuse me, Instagram. There's an interview on Instagram that includes Nikki Giovanni, Alice Walker, and Toni Morrison. Mm. These three black women are talking about the ancestors, unapologetic. Alice Walker says, and, I, and I'll paraphrase it, I'm probably not, not as great as she said it, but she felt like part of the challenge with black folks here in the Americas, in America itself, is, is that we aren't having the engagement with our ancestors. And part of our, our mental distress is not acknowledging them and calling them forth to assist us when we're going through whatever it is that we go through. And I and I I'm gonna find that I'm gonna tag you in that because that is it's only like maybe about 30 seconds. But that hit home so much that it is imperative for me to always have the conversation or the engagement to pour libation for them. I'm sometimes I'm in situations where I can only thank them because I know that there are are part of our, our demographic of beautiful black folks who that portion of my ritual would be offensive. They wouldn't know what it is or the program that has already been put on their hard drives, which is the rest of the world knows as the mind, mm. has already told them to reject that, to rebuke it, to say mm. that that's... And so I know I have to 
come to them in a language that they understand. Yeah. That for me is still the language of the ancestors, girl. So I'm not, I'm not foreign to that experience. I love that. Yeah. I'm asked to come into in particularly black churches a lot. And and now a lot of white churches. And I know what I see is I see ancestor acknowledgement and recognition. My people may not call it that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I know what that is and I'm grateful in whatever way that they can approach it. I'm not going to rebuke them or or, or say, well, you know, that's and, and a litany of things. Christopher Columbus. I, yeah, I'm aware of that. But how do we take it back? Yeah. You know, how do we take it back? And there, there are so many beautiful ways I, I think of. Now, I, I was really blessed, and, and I'm going to bring it back again, to, to uh, create a, a work tribute to a woman by the name of Rosalie Tompkins, a black woman who, was, who got her, her gift awakened itself in her at the age of 40. And she became this magnificent quilter. Her works were likened to John Coltrane's in rich improvisation because her quilts are very improvisational. Wow. And this woman was a, a really good Christian coming out of the South, the child of sharecroppers, born into the Seventh-day Adventist, Seventh Adventist portion of Christianity. But she also started to look at numerology and spirituality. And some of, some of that even got evoked in her quilts where she would put three, six, and nine were her mm -hmm. numbers that she would put on there. And, but, and in the same breath, she would write, a, she would embroider a scripture on, on her quilts. And so mm -hmm. I, I, and so I, I, I love that, but, and still able to sing a good, a good church of God, excuse me. Well, church of God in Christ to me sometimes is really almost parallel with, with the Seventh-day Adventists in the way that they evoke the spirit of the energy that they call Jesus. Mm, okay. Again, I'm not offended by any of those things. And you can see my last name is Muhammad, girl. Yeah, I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> and but, but being, I, I have been blessed to walk. My beautiful instrument has allowed me to move into circles of people who are choosing to acknowledge, worship, experience, express the infinite in a way that resonates with their DNA. I love that. I've played for Bimbe's, for Oshun. I've played, I've played for a Muslim wonderful experience. I'm, I'm actually a member of a beautiful group of, of I call these, these, these uh, Gen X Muslims. <laughs> Aslam alaikum, baby. What's going on? Mashallah. And I love that. I love that translation of it. And I love how they're experiencing express jazz and even blockchain and metaverse. Man. And so I'm, I'm blessed. My beautiful instrument has allowed me to walk in these realms and still allowed me to be me. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, a good life, even with 
some of the craziness that's, that's happening around us, the life itself is good. Yeah. I love that you said that because that's exactly why I'm doing this hmm. series of interviews because um, it's easy to get overwhelmed with everything going on in the world and to you know, break down from it or to feel hopeless or um, defeated. Hmm. But there's so much more to just living than all that noise that's going on. Yes. Whether it's there to distract us or not, it is noise if we're still able to breathe and move around and do something constructive or creative that has nothing to do or maybe everything to do with what we're experiencing. Hmm. Um, there was a, a video I saw that really touched me and moved me in relation also to you having moved from Okinawa. Mm -hmm. And um, it was the moving finger. Mm. There was a groove about it that was just so cool. <laughs> right? You could just feel the energy. Everybody was into it and just, just grooving in a way that was also still very authentic culturally to each individual. <laughs> And here's the reason why I love it so much, because I have this recent new discovered love for what they're now calling city pop, wow. which is really like kind of like remixed or updated in production of Japanese pop music from the 80s and 90s. And I listened to a lot of 70s pop from Japan and it took me probably like a year to a year and a half to understand why. And it was really because uh, a coworker I had who was Japanese asked me <laughs> why. <laughs> and in that moment, I realized like, oh yeah, the people who were part of the production and or played in the backing band for a lot of those artists mm -hmm. were black musicians who also played on the same records that I grew up listening to. Hold that thought, hold that thought, hang on. Hold that thought. I am holding the thought. Still holding the thought. Here I come. The thought has been held. I'm sorry. Thank you. Huh? The thought has been held. Oh, beautiful. I'll just say this. I have been increasing my water intake and I will say less. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was very efficient. 
All right. So, all right. So what you said, the musicians behind those Japanese pop artists, were they, were they black or were they Japanese artists playing well, behind them? They were mixed, but um, like they were, they were either Japanese who were influenced by black mm. art and music, or they were the actual black musicians who played on records here in the States or, you know, global, who went to Japan to support those artists. Wow. I'm actually doing a whole research study on that. Wow. Um, yeah. And it really um, came up for me when I realized I'm listening to some tracks. I'm still learning Japanese, but like I don't understand wow. so fluently. But then I would hear phrases in the music and I'm like, I know that. Mm. I know that track. Mm. And then I find out like, oh my gosh, that's a Shaka Khan song. Oh! <laughs> like, and then I'd hear another track from another artist. I'm like, I know that, that phrasing. Mm. Where do I know? Like, that's like a jazz, like a sax solo or something. Like, where do I know that from? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. They just added lyrics to Grover Washington's Wine Line. <laughs> wow. Like, what's going on here? And I, I just thought it was um, super fa fascinating to discover, you know, uh, a preference of music because it just reflected other parts of my life that I was familiar with hmm. and had already had a love for. And I just find, I mean, I love a lot of things about Japanese culture and mm -hmm. how they interpret um, Black music. I mean, I'm just going to say it like mm -hmm. they have an interpretation of Black music that I find to be, the word escapes me, but I, I see it as an, a deep appreciation mm. for the musicality that we've created. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, it's something I want to explore, but I definitely thought it was like almost kismet that now I'm here talking with you and I, I do my research and find out that you have this thread that also connects to my research in Black music influencing Japanese music and art in modern day. And um, I bring it up because when I watched that video of moving fingers I see the Kodo and I'm like oh my god I love the Kodo yes I was introduced to the Kodo through um Hiroshima mm. who I loved them because <laughs> I see them as so unapologetically Japanese mm -hmm. and they're very authentic in that and I love that you could really tell that they're infusing their history into jazz music and jazz music after listening to the majority of their albums there's a lot of influence of black music in their work that's also infused with their japanese culture mm. which i love so much and i can nerd out all day on that oh and, um, i understand when yeah. we had to come back to the united states i was like really <laughs> I love living in Okinawa. Mm. Yeah. I understand that affinity is there. When I when I saw that when I saw that album, The Rubiot, 
with Dorothy Ashby on the cover playing Koto and then finding out she played Koto and then hearing the, the, the moving finger. That was a piece I definitely wanted to bring to light. I love that piece. And I love, I love how, I've I got to remember the year on that. It might have been 69, but I think, I think it was slightly later than that, how she is, is bringing in spoken word as we know it today. It's called spoken word. Someone might have called it poetry, but she has the opening, the moving finger rights and having writ. And then the, the whole kind of psychedelic sound with her, her voice expanding. And then her playing Koto and then that, that rhythm that's playing behind it, the, the, the rhythm section playing behind her. Man, yeah. that's just some fierce stuff, man. She's just ridiculously beautiful in her exploration and creation. And that, and this, that, that whole piece for me, I actually had a chance to play that piece for some very for, for some dancers. Oh. So there's a, a a dance piece that was created based on moving finger, and there's a, a, a very I'll tag you in it. With the, yes, the I'll tag you in it. There's a, a video of me playing it solo with these dancers who, for the most part, their whole focus has been had been hip hop, but mm. the choreographers of of a group called Dimensions Dance Theater said, you know what? you need to learn something different outside of just hip hop. You have to be able to apply your own intuitive to dance to something else. And so I was invited to, to curate as a portion of, a, of their annual concert. Oh, this might've been 2016 that I was invited to do this. And so there's a, there used to be a parking lot directly across the street from a place called the Malunga Casklord Center for the Arts. It's a mm-hmm. performing arts center downtown Oakland. And there used to be a parking lot that actually had a mural on the wall. And so I said, come on, we're going, to go, we're going out to this parking lot and we're going, we're going to continue working on this piece out in public where everybody can see us before wow. you have a performance. And so I'll tag you in us doing that performance and just a, just a, a rehearsal of it in the, in the, I'm sorry, in the parking lot. It was yeah. really, really it was really fun, and I, I look forward to revisiting that particular piece. Thank you for that, because I'm, I'm talking to myself about a, a recording in 2023, mm-hmm. and I want to say that along with my originals, I'm, I'm considering, oh, so many wonderful works, but yeah, the Japanese the Japanese folks, in their own way, they they love what we bring to the table, as many cultures do. Mm-hmm. As many cultures do, really love what we bring to the table with our our imagination through the arts and and philosophy and our intelligence through so many things. Most of what the the Black American, the ancient African, has been distilled throughout the world. Yeah. Our rhythms and our, our ideals, our practice and medicine that is still being utilized today in the rest of the world are sometimes kind of reimagined. We've got to go back to the old way so we can heal people and not hurt them. Right. Hmm. But that's a, a whole nother conversation. 
Yes. <laughs> That's a whole nother conversation. The music itself also is just, is the, the vibration on the tonalities that we want to bring and even the conversations, the storylines and our music that we may either say verbally or through our instruments. I know I have a responsibility to bring the most uplifting to who's ever choosing to listen, even yeah. if it's just me. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, what else? <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> right? So many gems everywhere. Mm. Um, I'm curious. Uh, I'll ask one fun question and then I'll ask like a more, a deeper question. Okay. Okay. Fun question. Um, are there any like memorable tracks that you've heard that made you think about adding harp to? <laughs> so many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You know, I listened to, I primarily listen to the jazz station, which is my favorite. And then I give myself permission eventually to hear some time what my, my, my other contemporaries are doing in the hip hop world. Mm-hmm. And some of the time I hear someone say, now, you know, that really needs hard right there. Yeah. You know, Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar's latest, the one especially, I don't know if you've seen the video of it, but it's, it's him where his face transforms to a variety of other African-American brothers and sisters and it closes out, primarily brothers, and it closes out with him and his face is Nipsey Hussle. Um. And I, I felt like, it just because he, the, the undercurrent track of that is Marvin Gaye's I Want You. Oh yeah. Like, Man, he just needed a little bit right in there whenever he makes that segue into another personality, just a little heart from Destiny Muhammad. <laughs> you know, yeah. Have to make a little remix. Yep. Yeah. A whole mixtape. A whole mixtape. Yeah, girl. Yeah, we do need to do that. So, yeah, sometimes I'm listening to, to other people's music and I was like, oh, shoot, they need me on that right there. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I just hope they need me because for me, each one of us who are, are choosing to play harp, that we all have our own personality. There are very, there are very distinct ways that we speak on our instrument, and so that's yeah. why I say specifically Destiny Muhammad. Yes, <laughs> he has something to say. Yep. Mm, I love that. Let's see, I do have a list of questions. <laughs> it's really just for reference so I don't like have us repeating anything um, I respect that yeah let's see what was the worst gig you played as a harpist not that I want to induce any PTSD <laughs> girl but just sharing something relatable because as a musician we've all had those types of gigs where it's like oh like I don't think I want to do that again <laughs> Mm. Ooh. I'm more curious about like how you navigated through a gig like that. Yeah, you know, I I I think that the 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 blessing ones have been so rich that the ones that haven't been the most harmonious have 
don't hold as much weight with me. Years ago, at the at the top portion of me, and I really said that I was going to start to think about studying jazz, but I was really doing my own thing. I had been invited to a jam session downtown Oakland. I don't know if this was like the worst, but it was definitely the most the most enlightening and informative and even in its painfulness for me. Mm-hmm. And I was invited to this jam session and I was excited. I said, I'm going to get in to sit in with the cats. I was just learning these terminologies. Sure. <laughs> going to get a chance to sit in with the cats. Oh my gosh, it's going to be fun. And they're going to be this. And I didn't know this whole legacy of how sometimes you can get your hot cross buns booted off Oof. the stage. However, and these cats were... Not that old, but they, they, well, some of them were, were pretty mature. I was younger and they were pretty mature and knew of that legacy or maybe it had even experienced it. So here I am. I had been invited to come to this jam session and it was a little bitty place called Bluesville in downtown Oakland. It's, it's gone now. It's a, a eatery now, but I'm, I'm there and there are a number of, of jazz vocalists there and the stage is filled with the, the local notables of, of jazz here. And the, and the person who invited me was the founder of the Oaktown Jazz Workshop that is still in effect. He joined the ancestors 10 years ago, but he saw me playing at a farmer's market, which, which is my foundation of how I'm even to, able to do what I do now. Yes. So he invited me to come and to play. And I was so excited. As I said, I'm going to play with the cats and I'm going to learn this jazz and yada. But I had learned a little bit of a song by Freddie Hubbard, the Freddie Hubbard. Yes, I've met him. What? What a character. Oh I, I grew up listening to his, his records. Yes. And Dorothy Ashby actually did a, a rendition of his song, Little Sunflower, which I had hmm. So girl, I'm feeling all kind of feeling all excited. And I had learned a little bit of Little Sunflower. And they and so the the Khalil Shaheed, founder of Oaktown Jazz Works, says, yeah, yeah, side talk. Yeah, we, we got this badass jazz harpist. And she's going to come up here and she's going to hit it with us. She's going to start it out. And I was like, oh, my God, don't make me start it out. Just <laughs> Egg. So it's like, oh, so I, I, I mean, I'm ready to just like, I'm sweating bullets, girl, and I'm scared mm. to death. And all these cats are looking at me with only the look they can give. <laughs> you know, jazz, my jazz folks. But once you, once, once you're in, then there, you, I find out that there's just a bunch of sweethearts. But that first look, man, oh my gosh, I start out just a little bit. Do 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 do. Do, 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 And the, the, the cat that was playing Oregon looks down at me and growls. <gasps> oh, and he leans on the, he goes, Wah! and then he just takes off. And everybody else just jumps in and they just take off with Little Sunflower. I couldn't keep up. I didn't know where we were in the song. Oh, wow. Oh, and I was like, you ever see a little kid who's that they, they, they just started to learn how to walk and the big kids are running around, they're walking and running and doing all cartwheels and stuff around a little kid. That's the way I felt. I just didn't know what I was going to do in it. I felt like I was standing up on wobbly legs and just finally just fat sat down on my big ass diaper. 
And I was there and I, and I'm looking and I don't know what happened. Everybody's laughing and talking and laughing and yeah, she, thank you so much. And I just, and I'm looking, I said, I don't even know what happened. Wow. I, I just, I didn't know what happened. And they said, yeah, yeah. And everybody's giggling and laughing and such and stuff. And I didn't know what happened. I could, just could not keep up because I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. And there's a beauty, at least for me, in that not knowing what I didn't know and that I'm around all of these big kids. I said, I don't know. So Khalil says, hey, you should come to my workshop, which he had just started, mm-hmm. I think maybe about four or five years prior. You should come to the workshop and, and, and come learn from us. And, and I just, and, the, and to top it off, that date was my birthday. Aww. So I said, you know, maybe I'll do that. I, I said, however, what I do know is one thing. I, I don't know what just happened, but one day I will. And I, I'm going to hire all of y'all. <laughs> That was my word. I'm a, I'm a know what I'm doing and I'm gonna hire all y'all. And, and a, there were a few of them that actually, I wound up actually hiring for performances that I, that I, I needed to have some trumpet saxophone. Some of them I was able to, to actually to employ them and to pay them. And I felt good about that because now my, my vocabulary, I would just stand up there just kind of like with a, with a pacifier in my mouth, like, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> And I was really grateful for that. And I actually did for the last four years that Khalil was physically with us. I went to that jam session, that jazz workshop every Wednesday from four to six. And it was really geared towards, to it's, I'll say this, it's quote unquote was really geared towards teenagers. But yeah. what I loved about it is, is that since they were teenagers, that they had to break it down to, matter of fact, it was to anybody probably who was at least nine, 10 years old could come and study. And so that meant for me that they had to break it down to the lowest common denominator, which allowed me to learn. Yeah. As opposed to getting into a class that said it's a beginner's class, but we're all adults. And, and I think sometimes even the teachers who are doing the best that they can are still expecting us to come with some knowledge. Right. And that, and for me, being in that jazz workshop was wonderful because here I'm surrounded by these youngsters who didn't care how old I was, that I needed to be learning along with them. And we, they were giving me what I found the foundations of jazz that come from these jazz composers who are now ancestors, but their music continues to teach everyone who so is learning sugar and all blues, which I just had a chance to teach. I've, I've got to teach my very first masterclass workshop on jazz and use mm-hmm. all blues as one of those foundational pieces that helped me to feel like I was actually playing jazz. Mm. And, and so I, was, I started out in that class and then they started to advance it to Nika's Dream by Horace Silver. Whew, girl, I was pedal pushing on my heart. <laughs> But I love that piece because I had to come and shed like crazy just to to navigate hands and feet for the chromaticism that was yeah. happening and, and, and 
Nika's dream. And so I'm, I'm grateful that that was a, a painful, enlightening experience and was necessary for, for my growth. I've had a, a few of them, but that one, I can I honestly say that it was necessary. It was painful. And, and, and I, I'm not going to lie. I licked my wounds for a while <laughs> after, after, after that one, you know, and so I'm very grateful. And now I see some of these folks that remembered me from that day. And, and they're so proud. They are so proud because sometimes folks give up. Yeah. The jazz has become, has become, I don't know if I should say it's become, it's had a level of institutionalization. Mm -hmm. And also in that breath, it's become the opportunities to learn it have been slightly easier where folks don't have to just get on a bandstand and and possibly get the Charlie Parker treatment, if you will, and get cussed out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got several work online workshops where folks can study. There's one called Open Studio and Learn Jazz Standards and, and another one where one can learn in the privacy of your own home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, take you, you can you can get a subscription to a jazz workshop, which and it's definitely different than it was back in the day when you got on that stage and somebody might say, get off the stage. You don't know. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's for folks are a little bit more there. There's a a different approach to it now. As I shared, you, folks can you can go to school and study mm -hmm. jazz. Now it's it's acceptable, but for folks who you know, we can look at the Sonny Rollins and 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 the Pharaoh Sanders who just joined the ancestors just yes. recently. And here, these were folks that didn't that probably went on to teach jazz in school later on, but all of them, like us, were learning at that University of the Bandstand. Yeah. So yeah, girl. Yes. We just keep growing. We just keep growing. That's imperative. That's an, and keep learning and studying. That's what I can say. I, I, I hear some folks who have asked me, so, oh, you still have to practice? I was like, yes. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak for other people, but I too, like my, my younger contemporaries, I still get to study I still get to I still get to study and learn and grow more and more every yeah. every day so I, I still do some of those harp expected performances weddings and the and the brides and the grooms always have some wonderful piece of music that they would like for me to learn for their wedding Oh yeah, and so this I'm I'm put in a position to learn new music. I'm playing at a wedding where one of the the compositions is going to be "Best Part" by her and Daniel. I'm trying to remember the young man's last name. And for someone else, they might say, "Oh, that's just a, that's just easy." Well, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't want I don't want to just treat someone's music as though it were just easy, and all you have to do is get up on the stand, put the chart in front of you, and just and play what's there. No, I really want to be able to serve this community of people who are going through this rite of passage, knowing the wedding, better than that. So how about I sit down and listen to the composition itself mm -hmm. before I even look at a chart? Right. 
how about we how about I just listen first hear what's being said in this music maybe play along with it a little bit see what where my voice on the harp stands out sometimes folks ask me to sing I did a, a funeral for a woman who turned a hundred and two wow. just just this past Monday and she came from a whole legacy of gospel music, beautiful black senior, just generous. And I had done a lot. I had played for her hundred, her hundredth birthday via Instagram oh, nice. live stream because we couldn't meet because of, of the pandemic. Yeah. But here I am two years later playing for her Ascension service. And what they asked me to learn was, was blessed assurance and her eye is on the sparrow. Nice. His eye is on the sparrow. And I hadn't ever played those songs before, but I had heard them in mm -hmm. my growing up. I said, well, let me sit down and really listen to the lyrics and the storyline and these songs so I can best serve the family because the ascended one is already happy. Mm. You know, and sat down with it. Even, like I said, it, it was a part of my growing up, but it wasn't something that I had ever sang before or played. But I wanted to make sure that I could deliver it in a way that would uplift the spirits of, of the family. Yeah. I still get asked to do wonderful celebrations, if you will, like that. Yeah. But what you doing? <laughs> doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just trying to find all the ways to um express my own process hmm. as a creative or discovering that I could be creative hmm. and um sharing that with others because I always think um for everything that I do or say, there's got to be at least a thousand other people going through something similar. And if I could save someone, even if it's just one person, the trouble of what I went through to learn how to be creative or learn how to be comfortable mm -hmm. acknowledging that I am creative, because that's a whole thing in itself, um, that's then my job is done. So I'm really just kind of exploring all the ways that we're human hmm. and hmm. sharing with other people that they're not alone in, in their experience as a human. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I think of, of Pharaoh Sanders and in his way, that was part of, of his rich spirituality and him adding to the sonic realm. Mm -hmm. with his compositions. You know, and then him being a part of that legacy of John Coltrane and McCoy yeah. Tyner. Yeah. I think, I think that as well. Yeah, it's amazing that um, when you look at it at, as a perspective of we are going to be the ancestors for our future generations. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind of helps me, or at least speaking for myself, like to be more serious about what I want to leave behind or how I want to be of service to the future. Hmm. So that's all going to inform like 
my intentions for today. I'm curious, um, like for you, like what stands out to you in the process of learning now that you know you've experienced you experienced a whole life and then you started from scratch again huh. with the harp yep and then now like you became a master and that you're now teaching others so i'm curious like from learning to teaching like what stands out to you in that process of learning is that even in the process of teaching i'm still learning right i, I literally am and i'm learning more of what I thought that I knew that I didn't. There used to be the show that used to come on in, in Los Angeles called the New Zoo Review. I don't know if it, it made its way up here in the Bay Area, but the adage was, we have fun learning what we don't know. Mm. And so there are times when um, I'm teaching or sharing with someone who has a desire to learn hard. And I'm sharing what my process may be, or sharing a process, or me even even improvisating on a process that I had already been using, but it needed some tweaking. Mm -hmm. And even learning even more in the in this teaching sharing process as I shared it with them, I'm learning as much, if not more, than when I'm going through my own personal practice of learning a new piece or, or writing a new piece. And that's a, a, what I, I love about that is, is being to learn while sharing with someone else, sharing what I've, I've gotten from my years of experience, being able to share with them and learn something else in the process. And it becomes very reciprocal. It's, it's not an either or, or I'm just downloading on their hard drive, better known mm -hmm. for me, as I shared with you, their mind. There's yeah. this, this rich exchange between us that happens. I may have more information. And as I shared more years of experience, more experience, but there's, there's a way to even, even some time borrowing from an old way or finding an old way that's being processed as a new way in the art of teaching someone else. Yeah, it's really lovely. And also finding that mm, that is endless. Wow. The, the learning is so endless. The, the, the opportunities for practice are so endless. Who I can learn from is endless. I'm excited about that being able to go to my younger contemporaries, not just the kids, but going right. to my younger, younger contemporaries in this, especially in this music of jazz and allowing me to share their knowledge. It goes back to one of the things that I, I was speaking on earlier where one of the, the beauties that, they, that many of my younger contemporaries have, especially the ones that I know, they, they had the opportunity to study jazz and focus completely on the music and bettering their technique and, and such, and knowing that they were housed and clothed and fed. So there, there wasn't that other f feeling there that, whew, I gotta get out of here and go to work and I gotta do this, 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 this. Mm -hmm. they, had, they had several other classes that were going on, but those, those life situations 
those foundational life situations, housing, food, clothing, all of that, that, that wasn't a worry so that the mind wasn't divided up with possible anxiety. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't have that, which allowed them to move with a little level of ease, some trepidation because everybody wants to sound their best. But the question is, are we sounding our best and not somebody else's best? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm just getting this in real time while I'm talking to you. Yeah. Am, am I sounding my best? Hang on, you got the, as a share live downtown Oakland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> am I sounding, am I allowing myself to sound my best or am I, or am I trying to sound someone else's best? Right. And that can be kind of, that can be for some of us a little bit touchy. Right. Especially if someone, if, if some other jazz aficionado was, kind of dispenses who may not play nothing but a knob on the radio mm. says something to you like, well, you don't sound like so-and-so, or you really should try to sound like so-and-so. And in my early stages of jazz, which sometimes even parallels to now, I learned the litany of imitation, right? improvisation, innovation. And I love that litany. Because sometimes it's important for me to, to imitate just as I heard it, just as I heard it. And then this something wells up that allows me to improvise on the imitation. And then on the improvisation comes my own innovation. Right. But I use imitation as my launch pad, but not as, as my bag of trick licks to go to when I don't know what to say. that I'm, I'm continuing to learn as I shared. And I, I just about am learning from just about everyone and everything. There's always slight lessons within this whole litany and experience of living that has its own teaching opportunity and learning opportunity within it. Wow. Is there um, anything experimental that you'd like to do musically? Like, whether it's with the harp or not, or it's singing. You know, I don't, I, I see that some of my contemporaries love to do, I shouldn't love to do, but are experimenting with some electronics with their harp. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. I really enjoy the sound of the harp as the harp. And there are some modifications that my, my husband, who's my wonderful roadie, sound man, bestie, yada, mm. he adds just a little bit to my harp, but, but not enough to change the sound. I love the sound of the harp. I love the sound of voice. I, I love the sound. I want to say that experimental wise, I, I probably am more into expansion of in learning this, learning more repertoire and writing more music that I can put out into the world that really has my stamp of destiny on it. 
So experimenting, I think it's, is more for me just an expression, more of an expression of myself and challenging myself. As I shared earlier with, with, with this, this litany of European classical or even a class pollination of classical jazz, European classical music as it can be expressed through jazz, which it had been done, I'm gonna say early 70s up until close to the 80s, it was a version of it referred to as third stream. Mm. And that was, it was set down by a man by the name of Gunther Schuller. And Third Stream was even being taught in, in schools for a, a little minute. I haven't heard any more about it. But those are the things that, that I, I enjoy to, the, the opportunity to play with those who have been primarily focused in on European classical music and having my works expanded upon for full orchestra. I really enjoy that and to hear that bevy of sounds. And I, and if I can say, I don't know, it's not a, it's not experiment. I, I had the opportunity. There's a wonderful composer bassist here in the Bay Area who's also the, the, the artistic director for the Hillsborough Jazz Festival, Marcus Shelby. And he, he wrote a suite of music called Blues in the City. And it was his first time ever writing for harp, and he invited me to play on the composition. Man, that was so fun. Mm. It was, and I and I'm looking forward to doing some more of that. If, if there, again, another side of an expression of myself, they would call me the side woman or the side person in this ensemble. But just being able to add my textured tone to mm. to that sound is just so. So fun. And I have a, a composition that I wrote called, called a Corner 14 that actually I want to have it reworked for big band as well as for orchestra. So that cometh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that um, you kind of just demonstrated that expressions are endless and what we usually think of as experimental especially when it comes to music we do naturally want to gravitate toward thinking about electronics and you know um, really exaggerated modifications mm -hmm. of the timbre of the mm. instrument but yes being experimental really can just be doing something different or expanding your expression using just the natural voice of that instrument. I love that. Even the, even the, the possibility, I enjoy to play for dance. Mm -hmm. And I, and I live in an environment where there are a lot of dancers where I, I remember the, one of the first times I got a chance to play with other instrumentation, it was, me, a jazz violinist by the name of Tarika, Tarika Lewis, who toured with John Handy, the jazz artist, mm. and beautiful pianist named Sundra Manning, who worked with Lettucey for many years. Wow. Oh, a spoken word artist by the name of Avacha, who does a, a radio show on KPOO and KPFA, who also does some small, uh, she likes a small percussions, and then about 15 
drummers who were whose drumming is all based in the African <laughs> diaspora. So they mm-hmm. were all coming. They're all their 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 drums were from Guinea and in Congo and such, and they did they just playing away. And I was thrown into that experimentation, if you will, if that call that that experience. Mm-hmm. And Tarika had written a piece called. And matter of fact, Nikki Giovanna, this was one of my first times doing this. Nikki Giovanna had been flown to to speak her composition called, mm, it's right there. Hang on, hang on, hang on. It's right there. Ego Trippin'. Yeah. Tarika had, had written a piece called Ego Trippin' in like three, four, six, eight time. Man, a real rich, fun E minor something girl we we was having a ball and the dancers had created a had choreographed a whole piece around that and and nikki giovanna is reading now we all on stage um and sitting like my like orchestra side to to nikki and nikki is looking at us and looking at the dancers <laughs> she, is, she is so taken by us that she's not even reading so the oh. <laughs> And the dancers can't stop dancing. Mm. And I love, I love that experience. It is just, it never got videotaped. So I only have it running through, running through my mind. Often I can see it and feel it was my first time. And when it was over, girl, you're talking about a big old letdown. I was like, well, damn, what do I do now? Oh. <laughs> You know, so I've since went on to do even more wonderful things, and I I keep many wonderful blessings. Of, I, no, I I keep getting wonderful blessings of more work, in in the realm to do. But I enjoy to play for dance. I just think it's just wonderful, and play with as I shared with you the the big band and play with orchestras and have my work accepted by them and and have them transform it into a piece that still holds the deep and root of jazz while they're doing their whole rich, wonderful things around it. I just love all of that, all of that. It's just fun for me. It's wonderful for me. It's enlightening for me. It's healing for me. It's restoring for me. It's uplifting for me. It's intuitive and thought-provoking for me as well. The possibilities are endless. Absolutely. Well, I think um, in consideration of time, (laughs) this is a perfect segue to conclude for this call, for this conversation. Mm. Um, It most certainly will be the first of many more, I hope. I do. I hope so. Let it not be the last. Yeah. Is there, are there any final words you'd like to share? Wow. If I could share anything, mm. is especially for my more mature contemporaries, the delay is not a denial. And if there was a dream that you had, I invite you to pick that dream back up and dust it off jump started. It's waiting for you. And if somebody, some ignorant, unevolved, 
unrealized individual tries to tell you that you can't do it and because they'll use that word OLD, moonwalk away from them. Don't waste no words on them. Don't tell them nothing, madam. Don't tell them shit. Moonwalk away from them and keep them at a distance and get around folks who are willing to support your dream and you might have to do it alone for a while. It may be only you and God of your understanding. But I invite you to pick that dream back up. For my younger contemporaries or any of my contemporaries who are, are in a situation, because I say my younger contemporaries, and I like to share this often with them when I'm invited to go into some school or educational facility. You're out there and you might be in a family situation where folks, you're living amongst people who have unrealized dreams and that has not happened for you yet. You're still feeling like you can dream, but your outer circumstances are saying something different. I invite you to save up a little bit of your money if you can. You can. I'm claiming it for you that you can. And to me, in every hood, there's always a Dollar Tree or a Dollar General. Dollar Tree is my favorite. Yeah. I invite you to go to the Dollar Tree and it's, it's now a dollar twenty five. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and invest two dollars. And fifty five cents and buy yourself a journal. There's a section in the Dollar Tree that I visit often that has blank journals and books with blank paper and pens. And I invite you to buy at least one and fill it up and save your money up and buy another one and fill it up with all the dreams that you could possibly desire to have happen for you. And just write and don't edit and don't task ask how it can happen, why it could happen, when it could happen. Just write down your dreams, not your mama's dreams, not your daddy's dreams, not your sister, brother's dreams, not your cousin, not even your grandmama's dreams. Write down your dreams and be unapologetic. You want to be a doctor. You want to be a superstar on the stage and you can name the litany like somebody or even superseding or playing or singing with somebody. Write it down. And just write it down. And just write and keep writing it down. And feel thankful for that dream. My dream, I had a 21-year hiatus before my dream became a reality. I'm grown. And there were definitely folks in my world who were telling me I couldn't do it to include the boyfriend that I was with at that time. I had a friend when I told her I was playing hard, we was, she wanted us to go out to, to some club to dance. And I said, hey, girl, I'm learning to play the harp. She said, harp? And, and all, all the disdain possible. She said, girl, you are old and black and we don't do that. Hmm. This is 1992, baby. Y'all don't know what it's like to be able to slam a phone down. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't speak again to that woman until maybe about four, I'll say about maybe six years into it. And she says, you're actually doing this. Someone else said that later on, too. I just said, yes. There's nothing else to say. Stop wasting words on folks who don't have your dream or their dream ready 
and being polished and loved up on. Don't waste words with people. Don't waste words with people. And it might be sometime, and it's as hard. It might even sometime be your family. Don't waste words with people. That's your dream. Your God gave that to you, not to them. Don't waste words with people. Show them. Show them. And then they'll tell the big lie. I always knew you could. I was always, I always knew you was going to do it. And you just go, mm-hmm. 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 But that's what I invite you to do. My 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 ooh, my wonderful contemporaries who I know you got a few years on the planet and you got more behind you than ahead. Now is your time. Get them dreams and dust them off. You're gonna have to go to school, and some of your mentors may be old enough to be your children. Get them anyway. Get them anyway. Get in some of these classes with these with these youngsters your younger contemporaries, and learn from them. Let them share their wisdom of today's, and they're going to ask you to share your wisdom of yesterday. It's a rich, beautiful exchange. I love it. Journal every day. I, I journal every day, and every month I set a mandate for myself about 10 things that I want to accomplish that month. Sometimes I reach all of them, and sometimes some of them have to roll over like this. Yeah. <laughs> Got to roll over. <laughs> and sometimes I had to have things roll over and roll over and roll over. Sometimes we just get to do that. You was going to be on the planet anyway. Do it. Take your dream and dust it off. Take you and as and as your dream starts to really start to manifest because you've been watering it and you've been thinking about it and you've been looking at it and you've kept you've only talked to you and your God about it. And soon you'll start to get folks who are around you who you can share it with. But be mindful because your dream is your baby. Don't set it in the path of murder. That's what I got to say. Wow. <laughs> Thunderous applause. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I give folks what I need. And I and these are the things that I often get a chance to tell myself as I move through and, and have these beautiful blessings to share music and inspiration and love up on people. It's fun. Yeah. All right. So this All ain't right. the last time. We're going to be talking again and again and again. Yeah. yeah. As, as more wonderful opportunities and blessings and just shoot, just the exchange, just, to, just to, to share and uplift and edify one another. Yes. But this is important where we continue to encourage one another. We get to do this. Keep one another uplifted when the world looked like it's gone crazy. Mm. When we think that when the news is looming large with a, a plethora of things, we get to share flowers with one another. Yes. I would have it no other way. I would have it no other way. If I can't encourage you and let you encourage me, then I, we, we need to put some distance between ourselves. Yeah. 
But when I know that I can encourage you, you can encourage me, shoot, you're going to get a text message, a call, a virtual high five. I'm going to see you on, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and I'll be loving up on all of your stuff. Put a whole bunch of hearts and flowers <laughs> and candy. Throw some money on there. Yes. Yes. That's how we do. Got to encourage. Well, we get because I want to see us all win. Yeah. I'm all for the win-win. There's no reason why we can't. No reason. And I'm not going to let anybody tell me there can't be. There's no reason why we can't all be winning in this game called life. Celebrating each other. Ooh, that celebration of each other. Ooh, yay. Because see, when when I celebrate you, the God in me celebrates me. Mm -hmm. You win and just lets me know, ooh. That's what winning look like. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to celebrate her. Because me too. But we're going to celebrate her right now. There's plenty of room. Yes. Plenty. All right. So you, all, you already know how to reach me. Yes. Let it not be the last time sooner than later. Yes. Sooner than later. <laughs> I love it. Absolute pleasure and blessing to share the space and time with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to do the same. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. You've made it better. Yay. Likewise. (laughs) You really did. I'll talk soon. All right. Dream big. All right. Bye-bye.